0: In a world, the year 2003, oh, uh, and 2004. Hello everyone, Bry, the Movie Guy along with co-host extraordinaire Cody Wilfong on today's podcast we are continuing our Quentin Tarantino month with a bit of a doubleheader in a way, we are talking about the whole bloody affair of the Bride Saga to Kill Bill. Let's begin now. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of In A World. I am here of course with... Co-host extraordinaire and Mario Kart world champion, Cody Wilfunk. How you doing today, Cody?
1: Living the dream.
0: Living the dream. Um, so as you know, we are continuing our Quentin Tarantino month. And today's episode is a, it's not a two-parter, but we will be, uh, discussing two movies today because we are doing the whole bloody affair of Kill Bill, which, the reason why it's called the whole bloody affair is because the movie was originally going to be a four hour epic by Quentin Tarantino. And because of how audiences were back then, they decided to cut it into two different movies. How much of that I believe is here and there. But once we get into some of the differences and maybe what this movie could have been when if it was a four hour long movie. But, uh, yeah, so we will be talking about kill bills. Volume one and two. Um, so each category is going to be a little different depending on what it is. For instance, we are going to go into the what ifs, which will cover both movies. Um, but before that, I just want to add that these movies were written both written by Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman. Uh, and they were both directed by Quentin Tarantino. Volume 1, uh, the synopsis reads from IMDb, After Awakening from a Four-Year Coma, A Former Assassin Wrecks Vengeance on the Team of Assassins Who Betrayed Her. And then Volume 2, the synopsis reads, The Bride Continues Her Quest for Vengeance Against Her Former Boss and Lover Bill, The Reclusive Bouncer Bud and the Treacherous One-Eyed L. Which is, uh, It feels like a cowboy name one know. uh, but obviously the what-ifs here are gonna cover both movies, and, yeah, I guess the best way to get into it is just getting into it, so, uh, Quentin Tarantino originally intended to cast a Japanese actress for, uh,
1: Lucy Liu! Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, for Lucy Liu's part, so, um... But then he saw her in Shanghai Noon, opposite uh, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson, and he changed the character into a Chinese-Japanese-American so that Lou could play the part. So that part's kind of more written directly for her. And um, we'll get into the genesis of this movie, but on that note, the only person that Quentin Tarantino had in mind for The Bride was Uma Thurman. And we will get into that with when we get into 70% Facts. But right now, um, some interesting what-ifs here. Uh, mostly revolve around the character Bill. Um, obviously, he's kind of the title character. But we really do not get to see him fully until the second movie in the very beginning. When we get to finally see what happened uh, at the church that day. Um, so... These are the names reportedly up for Bill. Uh, we got Jack Nicholson. We have Kurt Russell, Mickey Rourke, and Burt Reynolds. Um, I don't think Jack Nicholson would be a good, uh, no, I don't see him in that role as at all. Um, because what, uh, Robert Carradine had going for him. Is it Robert Carradine? That's who plays Bill, right?
1: I'm pretty David, sure
0: David Car- da- da- I think Robert's his brother. David Carradine. sorry, my bad. Um don't David Carradine did a movie. <laughs> what?
1: I said don't let it happen again.
0: Don't let it happen again. Uh <laughs> god. Um but uh he did a show back in the 70s I want to say. It was called Kung Fu and he was like this traveling uh martial artist that week by week he went to a different town. It's sort of like what the Mandalorian is today. Um but uh Kurt Russell I could possibly see as a Bill. Um Mickey Work, definitely not. Uh Burt Reynolds would be kind of interesting because well,
1: David died in 09 too.
0: Yeah, he died in 09, um sadly. And that that's kind of why I almost didn't want to bring up the recasting of Bill, but at the same time, if that's the only casting what-ifs we have, that's the casting what-ifs we've got. It has to be done. Yeah, exactly. Um Another person that was up for the role of Bill was Warren Beatty and Kevin Costner. Uh, Kevin Costner turned down this role for, to do the film Open Range. And then, uh, Warren Betty was originally offered the role of Bill. After turning it down, though, he suggested his friend, David Carradine. Um, Quentin Tarantino has said in interviews, though, that if Warren, Be- Warren Betty had taken the role of Bill, the character would have been more suave and James Bond-like. So, even with the names of Jack Nicholson, Kurt Russell, Mickey Rourke, and Burt Reynolds, we almost have to, um, take in consideration that these characters would be semi-different. Like, they would not be played the same. Like, uh, maybe because of David Carradine's background in the series Kung Fu, maybe that would have influenced why Bill had such a strong connection to, um... You know the it, martial arts, and you know uh, very. He was very cultured a, a, in uh Eastern. I don't know fighting, Eastern storytelling, Eastern music. Like he just seemed like he would be a guy from Asia, but he, clearly not Asian. Um, but uh, I think Kurt Russell, because Kurt Russell would eventually go on to play stuntman Mike in Death Proof for Tarantino um then he would go on to be in the hateful eight as well and i think that's all he's done with no 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 he was in once upon a time in hollywood uh he was the stunt man that um his wife uh did not like cliff and then um speaking of once upon a time in hollywood uh tarantino has said that he if Bruce Lee had been alive he would have given him a role and i want to believe if my guessing is correct, that, um, oh god, what's the wise, like, Asian master guy? Is it Ming Pai? Pai Ming? You got me on
1: that.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't think of his name all of a sudden. I know I have it. Um, oh, Pai Mei. P- Pai Mai? P- Pai Mei? I could see him playing it. Or, you know what, if Bruce Lee was alive, why not make him Bill? But we'll never know. We'll never know, sadly. But, um, I think, though, he would... He's kind of made to be, like, that <laughs> kind of mentor who would be teaching, um...
1: Or if his son was never shot.
0: Well, it, I don't know about his... Uh, I guess his son kind of had, like, martial arts background in a way. I don't know. Let's look and see
1: how
0: uh, Asian he looked. Well, <laughs> it, the, the amount of, um... What's the... What's the, um features he gets from his asian side doesn't matter in the case but i mean Pai may if you're gonna have someone because oh wait let me make sure because i know i've messed this up because i once thought a different actor was Pai Mei. so let me look that up real quick i'm going to imdb but i want to say it's sunny Shiva. um okay no no this it, it's not sunny Shiva. Um, I, for some weird reason, yeah, that's cool. Um, I, for some weird reason thought originally, okay, that's what I was confusing off. I originally thought Sonny Chiba was, um, he plays, uh, Hattori Hanzo in the first one. And Quentin Tarantino used a lot of actors back and forth. And originally when I saw this movie, I thought, uh, Sonny Chiba was Mei. But anyway, sorry, we just like took such a tangent there. Um, but uh, Warren Betty as as a as a James Bond esque bill would be interesting. Kevin Costner, I feel like I I don't know how he would have played it. I I kind of want to say he would have played it the same way as um, sort of as a David Carradine, but maybe I don't know.
1: I can't Sh- picture him outside of Yellowstone anymore.
0: I mean, you kind of have to though, because that shows ending. Um, the only other person, there's only one other casting one if, um, Esteban in the, Esteban is a character in Volume 2 that's played by a Volume 1 actor, uh, similar to what I thought happened with Sunny Sheba. I'm probably saying his name wrong, which makes me mad, because I'm really big, uh, he was a big, well, we'll get into him more in the 70% facts. Um, but, uh, Ricardo Montalban was supposed to play Esteban. However, um, he was unable to make any early read-throughs of the script. So his lines were read by Michael Parks, who imper- impressed Tarantino so much that he recast Parks as not only the sheriff who comes onto the scene after, um, Beatrix and the rest of the people get gunned down by the Viper gang, but, um, he is, yeah. He's Esteban, the guy who gives up Bill's location to her. Um, And then now it is time to hop into the DeLorean. We have hopped into the DeLorean, Cody, but now, oh no, the flux capacitor has made a mistake. We are in two different timelines, Cody, because as I said, we are talking about two different movies. So we have two different dates to discuss here. Volume one, it was released October 10th, 2003. How old were you then? I was 12, to give you context. Context. I said that right, right? No, I didn't say that right. Fuck. <laughs> the
1: math. 10. You <laughs> You're 10, okay.
0: Uh, okay, wait, 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 wait. You were born in 1993. Yes. And I said 2003.
1: Well, what month did this <laughs> come out? What? What month did this come out? October. I would have
0: been Yeah. So, October 10th, 2003, and volume two was released, um, fuck, I didn't do the math. Uh, shit. Uh, okay. Um, October, so November, December, January, February, March. Five months later, volume two came out on April 16th, 2004. Um, I remember that wait. I remember seeing these movies in theaters. In fact, um, I realized today, that out of all the brand new Tarantino movies that I was able to go see in theaters, Volume Four was the very first one I did see in theaters. That's the very first Tarantino movie I saw in theaters. So I remember seeing it, and weirdly enough, I watched both of them at Cinema Five at the mall. So right I don't. I've always like. I always thought, um, oh man, I'm gonna burp. I can feel it. The theater had that, like, screen that was, like, up high. And so, no matter where you sat in their big theater, you could see the screen perfectly. It was perfect. Um, but, as I stated earlier, these two films combined make up the whole bloody affair. Um, and there's some... F- we're going to actually start out with some... Uh, in 70% Facts, that's what we're going to talk about first. But... Sticking with staying in the DeLorean here, as I said, uh, the whole bloody affair was not kind of brought into light from my research until May of 2006. Don't know how true that is. It's just what I could find. Uh, So, Quentin Tarantino's original vision for Kill Bill was for it to be a one- four-hour epic.
1: Jesus. Yeah.
0: It was later released in two halves as it was more commercially feasible and it would allow him more time to finish the second half. Um, Earlier promotional material was released for the film in uh, 2002 that indicated it would be one film. Once the film was split into two, Tarantino maintained this original four-hour cut and would screen it only for friends and industry. It was released to the public in 2011 at the New Beverly Cinema, a Los Angeles cinema that the director owns.
1: I kind of wish he would have done that, though. That I, way we have an, another film from
0: Tarantino. Dude, I would just, like... Well, I mean, he doesn't count... We'll get into it. It's in the. the He doesn't count Volume Two as a it's as a film. He, he,
1: you know, he produced
0: it. Technically, we'll get into it soon. Well, fuck it. We'll just say it now. Uh, Volume Four is considered the fourth film, and Volume Two is just a continuance of Volume One, so it's still counted as the fourth film because that's the original vision, the original intent, as this stated. Now, uh, this version of the film is very rare and it has never been released for home video or leaked online. It is known to exist as film prints owned by the director himself. It has been shown only in theaters at events created by the director or at film festivals. Occasionally, these screenings have been available to the general public, but often they're exclusive uh, screenings with some barrier for entry. Um, This version of the film is not to be confused with fan edits that exist online. An attempt to appro- uh, approximate what is known about Tarantino's official so version. No,
1: no one has seen it
0: No, no. People have seen it.
1: But not us.
0: We haven't. But, like, his friends have. It has been... Like I said, he's, he has screened it at his theater. But I think what's interesting, though, is that I have gone to several horror conventions. And they are always... I, I, and I'm guilty of buying from them because I can get, like... Four Blu-rays that are actually like okay quality for twenty bucks, and they're like hard to find fucking movies. Like, uh there's this really weird like guilty pleasure kind of movie. It's like a sci-fi movie. It's called Extro. I found that there. I got a copy of um, what's it called? It's a Catherine Bigelow um vampire movie. Uh, that one's really good. But I've gotten so many like hard to find movies from there. Um. <laughs> Near Dark, I think it's called. I think that's what that vampire one's called. But anyway, yeah. uh Ooh, The Man Who Fell From Earth. I know there's, like, Blu-ray copies I could have gotten, but, like, this one was, like, dirt cheap. I think I actually got, like, four for $10 because it was the end of the day, and they were just like, oh, we gotta get, to get rid of... They, they're they trying to get rid of the merch, so it's, like, the perfect time to do it. Um But, yeah. I would give my left arm to watch that original cut because... Uh when we get into seventy percent facts, we'll get into some of the changes I could find out about Why it.
1: Are you keeping the goods from us, Tarantino?
0: Dude, if I guarantee if this gets like a Criterion release, he would release it as a four hour cut. Actually, fun I keep saying fun fact. Uh I God, you could really turn me into a drinking game here. Um <laughs> I keep wanting to say fun fact again. Um, I have the Blu-ray of the Grindhouse movie. And that movie, you can either watch it as just Planet Terror or um, Death Proof, or you can watch it as the entire four-hour film. Now, I saw Death Proof and Planet Terror here as one four-hour film with the intermissions, the crazy trailers, and everything attached. It was so worth it. I loved it. I like Planet Terror more. See, Death Proof should have been before Planet Terror, and I think that would have changed people's views on it.
1: What made him think of a lady with a machine
0: gun as a leg? I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> that's all I care about. Um, but yeah, that's a, that. So like, even though I call this episode the whole bloody affair, it cannot possibly be about the, what is truly known as the whole bloody affair. But what I'm saying is, I I kind of like left my thought there. I've seen so many copies of The Bloody Affair and I never buy it cuz I always say to myself I guarantee someone just took out the trailers or took out like the stuff and just combined the movies without like really putting them into what Tarantino probably had in place because they I don't know it's and they upcharge it, it they upcharge it exactly um so, now we let's get into the budget stuff. So, Volume 1 had a bad... A, a badget. Uh, volume 1, with a budget of $30 million had an opening weekend of over $22 million <laughs> with a gross of over $70 million in the U.S., but over $180 million, a worldwide gross. Now, keep in that number, because I'll talk about Volume 2 here, numbers here, too, and I have a theory about why they're different. Um... Top 10 Vox Office for the weekend of Volume 1, so in 2003 for, uh, the October, is it the October date? You okay, man? You're breathing funny. Uh, <laughs> October 10th date. Yeah, I'm too. Um, Kill Bill premiered Volume 1, premiered number 1, uh, then there's School of Rock, Good Boy, Intolerable, <laughs> Intolerable Cruelty, uh, Out of Time, House of the Dead, The Rundown, un- Right, uh, under the Tuscan Sun, Secondhand Lions, and Lost in Translation. Um, which is, I think, like Scarlett Johansson's getting into that known cast of Wes Anderson contributors. I think she's only done this first one with that. Tr- uh, well, we won't get into it. Uh, <laughs> but critics are saying for volume one, it has an 85% fresh. Rotten Tomato score with an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, volume 2, also with a reported 30 million budget, went on to make over 25 million its opening weekend with a gross of over 66 million, but only a worldwide gross of only 150 million. Now, if you notice, all those numbers are all slightly lower except for. Um, the opening weekend for volume two. And I have a theory that because, um, now this is in the 70% facts, but I'm just going to say it now that, um, when he is, uh, when he is, he changes genres between volumes. Volume one is a very samurai, um, 1970s esque, uh, one of those 1970s samurai movies, those ninja movies from the 70s. And, um, I think that that has a more bigger appeal in the Asian uh, territories. And I feel like when he takes, took out that element and made it more Western, it made it more like appealing to Americans more than it would people over East in Asia, Eastern Asia. And so. I have a feeling that because volume one made over 180 million while volume two only did over 150 million. Like I know that doesn't sound huge at first, but that's 30 million difference. Like that's a bit, that's still huge. Um, so I think that was one of the reasons, but continuing on with volume two and its release date of, uh, uh, April 16th, 2004, the top 10 box office that weekend was, um, uh, Kill Bill Volume Two also premiered number one. Now, granted, it did have a better opening weekend. Um, the Punisher at number two. Thomas James Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I. You know what? I, I still stand by that. That's another like 1970s esque film. Now I'll stand by. I
1: didn't
0: like it. I, that's fair. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to say you're wrong. What
1: we have
0: now? Well, yeah. You can't compare it now. Uh, <laughs> but um, then there's Home on the Range. Hellboy. Walking Tall. I really like Walking Tall. It's been a long time since I have watched it, but I really one like of his it. Biggest flops. Flops? Yeah. I think it, I thought it was a success. I could be wrong. Top
1: ten flops
0: on Dwayne Johnson. Wow. Okay. Well, I remember it being kind of an empty theater. Now that you say it. Um looked up the top. But uh, Ella, <laughs> Ella Enchanted, <laughs> Scooby Doo Two, Monster Un- Unleashed, The Alamo, and the whole Ten Yards. I realized that like every time I go through a list of things there's always a movie that I say exactly like a Milky Way line um um and also the critics were saying at this time it has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes with an 8 out of 10 on IMDb which is still respectful but it you can tell that volume 2 was lacking in something that volume 1 brought to the table and I really think it was the okay. So I think that Va- the Kill Bill really set a precedent and kind of a standard of what people were expecting from Tarantino after this. Because if you remember when we talked about Inglorious Bastards in that episode, I freely said like I didn't appreciate that movie when I was younger because there were subtitles, it was foreign mostly, the bastards were barely in it. However, it's like. I've grown up and it's become a lot better of a movie for me. Um, so,
1: segment. You want to hear spots real quick?
0: Oh yeah, sure. We can do that. Cause I kind of lost my train of thought there, and I was trying to regain.
1: Some of these are not gonna agree with. Okay. Top or ten, Black Adam. Okay. Yeah. Nine, Planet Fifty One.
0: Planet Fifty One. Okay.
1: Eight,
0: Faster. Faster. Faster is actually really good. Seven, Gridiron Gang. Gridiron Gang?
1: Six, I've never
0: heard of this movie. It's called Be Cool. Oh, Be Cool Be Cool is the Get Shorty uh, sequel that I talked about that him and, uh, John Favolta and Uma Thurman said. Five, Walking Tall. Walking Tall, okay.
1: Jungle Cruise is four. Okay. Rundown is three, which I thought that
0: was decent. Rundown. You, you know what? I thought Jungle Cruise was decent. Yeah. Oh, shit. Number two. Which I agree with this, but is a guilty. Sorry about that, folks. I accidentally stopped recording. Um, but yeah, we were talking about the flops of one Dwayne Johnson. Um, so, but but pretty much my thought, um, that I was going with this, that I think I was going with this, is that um. I think that this film set a precedent of what people thought would. Be Tarantino films after this because when you watch the trailer for *Inglorious Bastards*, it is very action fil- filled, and Volume One of *Kill Bill* is a very actiony movie. Um, *Kill Bill* Volume Two has a little bit of less action, but there's still like a good amount of it where you're like, "Okay, this guy, this is the avenue this guy's taking." So when you see that *Inglorious Bastards* is this like supposed to be this balls to the wall, Nazi killing uh group of soldiers and we don't get a lot of them. Instead we get this like girl who ran away who was a milkmaid, I believe, or mi- was she a milkmaid? Yeah. I think she
1: was well, she
0: was at least being housed by the milk, uh the milk people. Um which uh
1: I don't the
0: milk people. people. I mean, the people who provide milk. I don't. How else would you describe people who milk the cows? They get the milk. (laughs) Anyway, um, I lost my my cool there. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, but yeah. Uh, but I think that people after this movie thought that Quentin Tarantino was going to be the action director. Because of the success of Kill Bill Volume 1, which, as we know now, that is not the avenue we took. And now that I'm older, I can tell 12-year-old Brian that, hey, guess what, man? You know what? I know that. I know that receipt. Yeah, I know that. Fastlane washing (laughs) lube. Shout out to John Cotter and his business of car the car wash that is tremendous. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, I wasn't prepared, as you can tell, had nothing prepared, uh, (laughs) but yeah, going on though, uh, we are now into 70% facts, because Cody, 70% of the time, the facts are always right, I know, it makes no sense, I need to move this computer on my, my lap, (laughs) I need the laptop on my lap, uh, Okay, there we go. Now you can hear me while I read my notes. Why is my voice cracking so much recently? I don't know. Sick? Maybe. Um the fight scene in The Whole Bloody Affair with the Crazy 88 is shown entirely in color, um compared to the standard version of Kill Bill Volume 1 which cuts to black and white to keep the film from receiving a harsh N17 rating the all color version of this scene was also released in the original kill bill volume 1 in some international markets because obviously america's going to be kind of i don't want to say stingy but i'm going to say stingy um with how we censor things but fun fact the whole like blood sp- spraying after being cut thing is actually is the genesis of that is um from this movie called Seven Samurai, where he technical issues with a um, blood pack and uh, just exploded instead of just like, or just sprayed everything after it was activated instead of just coming out like a normal blood pack. So after that, like anime took inspiration from that. This movie clearly took inspiration for that. So that's the genesis of that whole blood spray thing um dragon
1: ball what dragon ball
0: yeah uh, <laughs> oh man dragon ball anyway uh such Qu- a good anime such a good one um quentin tarantino originally intended to only have pa pa uh pa may is it pa may pi may
1: uh, i think, think it's pi may i don't it's pi may i don't think that sounds like
0: pi may um i'm trying to think of how bill says it um but he speaks Catanese while his voice would be in English, imitating a bad dub job. um Tarantino was going to provide the voice himself in the end. Tarantino abandoned this idea. but you know what? give me the Tarantino dubbed version. Give me that cut of the a movie version
1: out there of that I don't
0: think so. I think he completely abandoned the idea, but I don't think it's impossible to think it couldn't be something that could still happen. But then, like you would ha- you've heard Quentin Tarantino talk. he would be like. Hey, guess what? You could have punched through this door. Or uh, we'll fu- we'll go through some of his quotes later. Um, and I'll try to do a t- better Tarantino impression, I promise. Or maybe not at all. Who knows? Uh, Robert Rodriguez scored this movie for $1. $1. Dollar. $1. Quentin Tarantino said he would repay him by directing a segment of Robert Rodriguez's project, Sin City, for $1. And the segment that um, Quentin Tarantino actually directs in that movie... Is the scene where Clive Owen's character is driving down the road and, um, what's his face? Bernuncio del Toro's character, even though he's dead, is like having a conversation with Clive Owen because he's pretty much having a mental breakdown at this point. Um, when, uh, oh, man, I'm gonna mess up her name. When, uh, Shiaki Kuro- Kuryama? Kuriyami Kuryama? The girl who plays Gogo, I apologize for messing up your name, uh, was shooting the scene where she flings her ball and chain around. She accidentally hit Quentin Tarantino on the head as he stood by the camera, which that would have been kind of funny to see. Uh, it the just bro-
1: reminds me of that VR video I sent you, where he pulls out that ball and chain. And he's like, "What? What am I from Boston?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's just wrecking havoc in the coffee. It's a coffee shop, right? Or it's yeah, an it's office. A, it's,
1: a, it's like a coffee shop bar thing. Yeah. And out you go. <laughs> Throws them through the window. <laughs>
0: oh, God. Uh, the bride's yellow outfit, which is... literally you. <laughs> the bride's yellow outfit was inspired by the outfit worn by Bruce Lee in his final film, Game of Death. Um... Did you ever see the video of the little boy doing the imit- imitating? That's such a good video.
1: He doesn't even look at the screen.
0: Not But he's pitch perfect. Uh, the shot where the bride splits a baseball in two with a samurai sword was done for real on the set. It was done by Zoe Bell, Uma Thurman's stunt double. And Zoe Bell would go on to... She was the wife of Kurt Russell and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... And then she was also the stunt girl who gets trapped on the car and the front of the car in Death Proof. Um, so he he has a close relationship with her. But yeah, um, she did that trick when um, when Hanzo throws the ball at her. She literally just cut it in half. That's the most baller thing you could do and catch it on fucking film. Like, nobody can doubt you now. Like, that's like, you want a fucking bet moments? And because she's like Australian or some shit, you know how she is. I am so fucking tired right now, man.
1: Speaking, uh, side note: Never mind. I'll, I'll tell you this after the podcast. Okay.
0: Uh, we're doing true. good. We're doing good. We're making good timing. It has
1: nothing to do with the
0: movie. <laughs> uh, God. <laughs> According to Quentin Tarantino, Uma Thur- and Uma Thurman in the DVD documentary, the idea for doing Kill Bill began during the filming of Pulp Fiction. The two began talking about the kinds of movies that would they would like to do, and Quinn said that he would like to do a 70s-style kung fu flick. Uma came up with the film's opening shot of her beating up and wearing a sh- wedding gown. We also know of Fox Force 5 being an obvious genesis that would have become the Viper Gang.
1: So Pulp Fiction came out in what, 97?
0: 94.
1: 94, and it took him that long to
0: come out with Kill Bill? Yeah. I mean, he did Jackie Brown right after... And yeah, it took him a good while, but it, from my understanding, he had to work and figure out how to split these movies up in the right way. Because there is still some East, East Asia influence, um, in the, when we get back there, especially with the mom, um, I can't think of her name. Uh, three inch punch is a reference to Bruce Lee's three inch knockout punch. Um, oh, I I accidentally skipped this at the beginning of the fight scene between Oren and the Bride. After Oren says in Japanese, "I hope you saved your energy. If you haven't, you may not last five minutes." It is exactly four minutes and fifty-nine seconds from the time she steps forward and the music cues until the fatal blow of the duel. From that, from the time she says five minutes until the fatal blow, it is precisely five minutes and thirty seconds. So, the fact that she was able to finish that fight in less than five minutes... uh, Yeah, five minutes is impressive. Um, approximately 60000 of the movie's budget was used on swords and sword accessories. Jesus. Just like propane. Um, Quentin Tarantino has the pussy wagon parked in his driveway of his house. The bride no longer has the pussy wagon in Volume 2. The original script included the character of Yuki Yubera, Gogo's sister... And it Yuki had destroyed the truck soon after killing Vernita Gr Green or Vanita Green. Uh the chapter Yuki's Revenge was cut from the filming to accommodate a new care chapter. Uh Massacre at Two Pines details uh uh and that just details the attack on the bride. Um which uh fun fact that the guy who is marrying Beatrix in that scene, he did the special effects makeup for this movie and also for the movie Halloween, uh, the the newer Halloween movies. He did the makeup for those. Uh, all three of them, I believe. Oh, man, damn it. I want to yawn so badly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh,
0: okay. God. It's after midnight now, I can tell.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> it's 12.06. I just fucking called that. Uh, when the first grade teacher, uh, Vanessa Valentino, takes roll call, she calls out one real life name, Marty Um uh, Martin Kitrozer had. S- McFly. <laughs> Marty. <laughs> <laughs> God, if only. Uh, <laughs> Martin Kertroser had served as a script survivor on all of Tarantino's films. Uh, according to K- David Carendon, uh, the man in the anime flashback who kills Oren's father was a young Bill. Which, I would believe that, because th- would she have necessarily remembered Bill as much as these those other guys? I don't Batman. know. Um, now, this one's just kind of a slap in the face to him, but I thought it was kind of a fun fact still. Uma Thurman and Vivica a. A. Fox were both in the critically panned DC movie Batman and Robin. Um, when the Bride's Sword gets stuck in one of the crazy 88's uh, the same music plays as when Major Hellstorm outwards, arrives outside Shosana's uh, movie theater in Inglorious Bastards. The music appears to suggest impending danger. Um, Bill's speech about Superman was in part inspired by The Great Comic Book Heroes, a book by Jules Pfeiffer. Volume 1 is included among the 1001 movies you must see before you die, and that's edited by Steven Schreier um or Sh- <laughs> Steven Schneider uh from the script to film the 10 point palm exploding heart p- technique is changed to the 5 point palm exploding heart technique which we said completely wrong the last time um L driver Daryl Hannah, whistles the theme song from Twisted Nerve while entering the hospital the whistling from bird uh Hermans Uh, Composition is isolated until L enters a changing room. Um, Quentin Tarantino revealed in an interview that the music used in Kill Bill was all from other films. He used music from his soundtrack collection. Earlier posters from the movie proclaimed this as the fifth film by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, subs. Subsequent posters have not used this blurb, while the film simply says a film by Quentin Tarantino. Kill Bill Volume One says the fourth film by Quentin Tarantino at the beginning, and Volumes One and Two are supposed to be considered one film. The fifth film, being by Quentin Tarantino, was used by was actually uh, Death Proof. Sorry.
1: I can tell you're about the false. I am so
0: fucking tired right now. <laughs> um, according to Matherman, Quentin had her watch three movies in preparation for this film. They're, these are all good John Woo's The Killer, Coffee, starring Jackie Brown's Pam Greer, and um, a movie I brought up last week, and Sergio Lewin's A Fistful of Dollars, which is a solid lineup. Uh, the infamous long take scene took six hours to rehearse and was shot in 17 takes. After that, Steadicam operator Larry McConkie <laughs> was rumored to have passed out from exhaustion. And the miniature set used to depict Tokyo when the bride arrives in Japan were actually leftovers of the Yokohama set used in the most recent Godzilla film. Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, giant monsters, all out attack. And that brings us to our last cat- category of the night. Quotable quotes. So for this section, I'll probably do the whole, like, playing clips with this again. But um, let's get into it because there are some really good liners said throughout this movie. Uh, the first one I want to uh, say, for quotable quotes, is Hattari Hanzo. Revenge is never a straight line. It's a forest, and like a forest, it's easy to lose your way, to get lost, to forget where you came in. Um, Which is just like probably like the truest form of like what happens with Bruce Wayne yes yeah he gets engulfed with revenge and he loses his way so much that he's no longer Bruce Wayne as he gets older he is just Batman so um, I bring that up because of the superhero analogy used
1: later in the film as you know I'm quite keen on comic books especially the ones about superheroes. I find the whole mythology surrounding superheroes fascinating. Take my favorite superhero, Superman. Now, a staple of the superhero mythology is there's the superhero and there's the alter ego. Batman is actually Bruce Wayne. Spider-Man is actually Peter Parker. When that character wakes up in the morning, he's Peter Parker. He has to put on a costume to become Spider-Man. And it is in that characteristic Superman stands alone. Superman didn't become Superman. Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. You would have worn the costume of Arlene Plimpton. But you were born Beatrix, too, And every morning when you woke up, it would still be the Andrew kiddo. To read that
0: thing out loud, holy shit, that's a long Why quote.
1: Why haven't we done a Batman?
0: We've done several Batman.
1: Like, the, the Batman.
0: The Bat- Oh, that one? I mean, we can. There are some interesting casting what-ifs, especially because it was, at one time, the Ben Affleck film. And we do have to do a Flash review soon, oh. because we have our thoughts on the Flash. Um... As I say with the uh Val Kilmer Batmobile on our microphone here.
1: Oh man, I wish it was Val <laughs> Kilmer.
0: God. Instead of the uh fuck it, it's George Clooney. <laughs> Comes
1: <up. laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> I <just see> him. <laughs> hey <kid>. Oh God, <laughs> uh, Nah I'm sorry. Nah, man.
0: Come on. Nah. Okay, uh the next quote's from Bud. I didn't know that woman
1: deserves her revenge
0: and we deserve to die um, the first title card of the movie reads, "Revenge is a dish best served cold, yeah, that's... and it's an old Klingon proverb um l driver that's right, I killed your monster." And now I'm gonna, or your master, sorry, your master. and now I'm gonna kill you two with your own sword, no less, which in very, in the very immediate future will become my sword. The bride, bitch, you don't have a future. Um, I love that. Uh, I can't Copperhead.
1: See her
0: saying that, Who Uma Thurman? Yeah, <laughs> dude, that's fucking Uma Thurman. She can do anything.
1: Um, I mean, all right. Besides Kill Bill, all I think about, obviously, Pulp Fiction, but um. My ex girlfriend is a su- oh my uh, my
0: ex my ex girlfriend's a superhero or something like that, yeah. which sounds like a Disney Channel thing. She's done a lot of different other serious roles, um, like she did a lot of stuff when she was younger too. But I think her most well known films are definitely Tarantino related. Have you
1: seen how Family Guy made fun of her? No. Peter Griffin was casted as a uh, Uma Thurman's. I to put her eyes back. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah,
0: and then like they're oh god, that's so fucked up. <laughs> She's beautiful. She's beautiful. Anyway, uh so this is from I they just call her Copperhead from what I copied down. Um
1: oh, fucked.
0: No, I didn't mean for that to happen. Shit, it just skipped on me. Fuck uh, okay, we went back into seventy percent facts, that's what happened. Um so it says Suppose it's a little late for your apology, huh? The Bride. You supposed correctly. Copperhead. Look, bitch, I need to know if you're going to start any more shit around my baby girl. The Bride. You can relax for now. I'm not going to murder you in front of your child, okay? Copperhead. That's being more rational than Bill led me to believe you were capable of. The Bride. It's mercy, compassion, and forgiveness I lack. Not rationality. Um. The Bride. It was not my intention to do this in front of you. Oh, okay. So she has now killed Copperhead, and it turns out her daughter's standing there the whole time. So Bride says it wasn't my intention to do this in front of you. Uh, for that, I'm sorry, but you can take my word for it. Your mother had it coming. When you grow up, if you still feel raw about it, I'll be waiting. So this started my brain running as a alternate thing that could happen. But what if Zendaya's character as, uh, I can't think of the daughter's name at this exact second. Which well, is Zendaya playing her, goes and kills Bibi. Or whatever her daughter's name is. And that's what brings Beatrix out of hiding. Is her uh, is her daughter being killed with a Hattori Hanzo sword. It, or wait. God, I'm tired. Anyway, um... <laughs> continuing on with these. But I think that would be an, a really cool... Uh, like, I think that would have been a good, like, sequel or something, or side plot. Um, so this is it, subtitled, so this is definitely not a clip I could play, but, um, this is from Hattori Hanzo, he says, I am finished doing what I swore the oath to God 28 years ago to never do again. I've created something that kills people, and in that purpose, I was a success for, done with become philosophy (laughs) Uh, God okay I'm going to try reading it again without my with my ear uncovered I am finished doing what I swore an oath to God 28 years ago to never do again I've created something that kills people and in that purpose I was a success. I've done this because philosophically I am sympathetic to your aim. I can tell you with no ego, this is my finest sword. If on your journey you should encounter God, God will be cut. That's how you read that! God! Okay, it was just, I needed that ear uncovered. I just needed that ear uncovered. I
1: because you were getting tired.
0: I am also tired, but, like, for some weird reason, my headphones make it impossible for for me. I'm just going to leave one ear open because that was very, that was a completely different read. And I feel like I'm reading a lot better now. Um, (laughs) um, The Bride, you and I have unfinished business. Bill, baby, you ain't kidding. Um... After entering a cafe, she's covered head and toe in dirt. And I remember watching this in theaters. And I just thought it was funny because they show her from, like, whoever's watching her from inside the thing. They're watching her. And she's just, like, the way she's walking, the dirt is just, like, flopping off of her. And she sits down, crosses her hands, and she goes, may I have a glass of water, please? (laughs) And then it just cuts. Um, uh, Bill... You hooked a H- Tori Hanzo sword? Oh, you hawked. Sorry. You hawked a H- Tori Hanzo sword? It,
1: it's priceless. <laughs> <laughs> well, not in El Paso, it ain't. <laughs> in El Paso, I got me $250 for it.
0: Um, the bride? Uh, and what? Pray? Tell? Oh. And what, pray tell, is the five point palm exploding heart technique.
1: Quite simply, the deadliest blow in all of martial arts. He hits you with his fingertips at five different pressure points on your body and then lets you walk away. But once you've taken five steps, your heart explodes. I
0: don't know why he has to include the word dead. Because if I hear the word, your heart will explode before the dead, I'm going to just assume I am already dead. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I yeah. remember that scene. It takes five steps. And...
0: Yeah, like, and that's such a good... Their fight scene is sh- kind of short and quick, but it's so fitting for them, and it's so fitting for how... I don't know, because these are... It's not so much that we're seeing two enemies fighting, but we are seeing two people that there is some sort of connection and some sort of love between them. God knows why, though. uh. <laughs> The Bride, you any good with that shotgun? Karen Kim, no, not that I have to be at this range, but I'm a fucking surgeon with this shotgun. The Bride, well, guess what, bitch? I'm better than Annie Oakley, and I've got you right in my sights, so let's talk. Um, the Bride, why are you here? Bill, last look. The Bride, are you going to be nice? Bill, I've never been nice my whole life, but I'll do my best to be sweet. Hattori Hanzo and a Japanese voiceover. For those regarded as warriors, who, in, when engaged in combat, the vanic- when engaged in combat, the vanquishing of fine enemy can be the warrior's only concern. Suppress all human emotion and compassion. Kill whoever stands in the way, and even if the, even if that be Lord God or Buddha himself, the truth lies at the heart of the art of combat. Um, again, Hotori Hanzo just laying in sight left and right. Um, and of course, the bride saying, wiggle your big toe in the back of the pussy wagon.
1: Before satisfaction would be mine, first things first, wiggle your big toe. Hard part's over now. Let's get these other pickies wiggling.
0: Um, I feel really weird saying that. Um, yeah. Oren, is she, uh, you might not be able to fight like a samurai, but you can at least die like samurai. And the last quote I'll mention, sorry, is, um, <laughs> after Lucy Liu gets the top of her head cut, cut off, she goes, my God, that is a Hattori Hanzo sword. And then she dies. <laughs> And yeah, those are all the quotes I have, which is good, because I need to stop looking at a screen right now, because I'm getting kind of a headache. Um, But yeah, I fucking love Volume 1 over Volume 2, I'm not going to lie. I think Volume 1 just, it had a lot going for it in terms of, I would love to see Quentin Tarantino do a movie like this again, like Volume 4. Or, no... (laughs) It's the fourth movie of Quentin Tarantino's, but it's volume one. But I don't know what is what is your opinion about the volumes?
1: Thought the first one was better.
0: Yeah, I do too. Um, I just feel like switching the genres was a mistake, and I think by doing that, he kind of—I don't
1: know—fucked it
0: all up. He fucked it all up. I do like, though, that they leave the big closing credits for the very end of Volume 2. So, they have, like, everyone who was a big player or anyone in this movie, or in these movies, was going to be featured. Um, But, yeah. uh, I don't know how this movie would have been without the title characters of Bill not being played by uh, David Carradine. Um, I... I, I would go with Kurt Russell, make him a little more like this guy who maybe he fought in a different kind of war that was, uh, maybe Indian-esque? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way to make it work, but I just can't. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I should, I forgot to mention this, but when I talked about, uh, the daughter, uh, finding all that stuff, um, I would love for Zendaya to play her. Oh, wait, no. I mentioned it because I mentioned... Sorry, I'm tired, like I said. But, yeah, let's wrap things up here. Um, Wow, we got through this episode incredibly fast, though. Like, a lot faster than I thought we would. I feel myself wanting to fall asleep, though. My eyes are heavy AF, and it's not the Um, (laughs) weird. But, uh, yeah, next week is the conclusion of... This Tarantino month, and we've already done. So let's let's go through it. We've done Reservoir Dogs now, mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. We are finishing up both Kill Bills because this episode had to contain both of them. We have not gone through Jackie Brown, and we have not gone through Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which um okay, let's. <laughs> uh, next week is the conclusion. Oh wait, no, we didn't finish out. We we only haven't done jackie brown and once upon a time in hollywood and after this week um when you guys are listening to this podcast that is going to change it will be the last one of uh spielberg month even or not spielberg fuck i'm tired tarantino month (laughs) fuck okay we gotta stop recording uh this was Brian, the movie guy along with co-host extraordinaire cody wilfong next week once upon a time in hollywood concluding tarantino month uh I'm gonna go home and get some sleep. Uh, good night
1: everybody! Bonjour!